Another episode of the Low Life Motherfucking Shopper Podcast. We got a great episode for you guys tonight. We got Matt Dore joining us, another New Hampshire builder. Got some cool shit he's cooking up. We'll get into that and a whole bunch of other good shit right after these motherfucking sponsors. First up, we got Chop Cult, the motherfucking hub, and the home of your next build thread. So swing on over there. Make yourself an account, add yourself to the Brolodex, scroll through the free classifieds, and check out the blog. Next up, we got ChopShit.com, run by the one and only Chicken Rick. This is your go-to source for all the stickers, pins, patches, hoodies, and chopper goodies. So swing on over to ChopShit.com and follow Rick on Instagram at ChickenFriedChoppers. Next up, we got Broadway Customs out there in motherfucking Englewood, Colorado. Head on over to broadway.customs.cycles on Instagram. Give them a follow. Tons of cool shit. CNC plasma cutting, 3D printing, automotive and commercial fabrication. They do it all. And they're still hiring. So head on over to Broadway Customs Cycles. Shoot them a message. Next up, we got Lowbrow Customs. Everything you need for the road ahead since 2004. Tyler is a great dude. Lowbrow is a great company. You can build an entire motorcycle off of this one website. So head on over to lowbrowcustoms.com and pick up some of that stuff you need. Next, we got Paco. 52 years in the motherfucking game. They got everything you need from frames, front ends, handlebars, exhausts, headlights, transmission components, and a whole lot more. So swing it over to paco.com or follow them on Instagram at pacoparts. Next up, we got the homie Wes over at Custom Destruction cooking up some of the dopest lids in the motherfucking game. If you don't already know, you pick the outer color, the trim color, the liner color, and he takes custom orders. So if you've got some wild-ass fabric you want to send to him, he can make it happen. We just sent that giveaway helmet over to him to get reupholstered ourselves, actually, so we'll be seeing that one come out of his shop very soon. Follow him on Instagram at Custom Destruction. Next up, we got your boy, Faro Fabrication, right here in Londonderry, New Hampshire. If you need a hardtail, tank work, repair, mobile welding, I cover all of it. Head on over to Faro, F-E-R-R-O, Fabrication, on Instagram. Give it a follow and hit me up for your next welding project. Next, we got Black Dog Motherfucking Towing, located in Epping, New Hampshire. But the nice thing about tow trucks is they fucking come to you. So... Hit up Loctite, follow Black Dog Towing on Instagram, and remember, when your chop stops going, call Black Dog Towing. Alright, so as you can tell by this intro, I'm solo on this one. We did the interview on a separate night, and I am now sick as a dog, so I'm recording this, and we are not going to take up any more of your time. We're going to drop you guys right into this interview with another New Hampshire garage builder, great dude, Matt Dorr. All right, guys, we are live on the phone with Matt Dorr. Welcome to the show, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. 
Hell yeah, man. It's good to have you. So I was fortunate enough to be up your way just recently and got a chance to pop by the garage. And after taking a very short look around, I was like, we have to get this dude on the fucking show. <laughs> dude, I'm looking at the Instagram right now. And the garage is sick, dude. I love that it has like that barn feeling, like all the wood fucking walls and shit. I love it. Oh, uh, dude, I, that's that's why I freeze my dick off here in the winter because I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> put up drywall or anything. In it. Yeah, you're way up. You're uh. So what town are you in? I'm in Ware. Um, so I'm I'm out west of Manchester. Probably a good half hour or so. Gosh, so you're right next to uh, Rhino Dick. Oh, did I lose you there? Can you still hear me? I think I might have lost the connection here. So you're right out there by Rhino Dick, right? Yeah, he's... um... He's like a town over from me, so out here in, uh, in no man's land, out in the middle of nowhere. That's it, man. Yeah, you got nice fucking roads up there, though. No traffic, no nothing. Yeah, it's all, all it is is just country back roads and, you know, just go out and rip around. It's great. For sure, you know, dude. No like the miles. And get and you, got, you got three bays up in that garage, too, right? Oh yeah, it's 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 awesome. I mean, it's you know up until now, you know I bought this house a couple of years ago. But up until now, it was always you know working in a parking lot or you know I had a storage unit for a long time, and it's it's great having space. You know, I can I can kind of spread out a little bit, keep everything neat, you know, keep it organized, and know where everything is. It's definitely I'm, I'm fortunate to have it for sure. It's funny you mentioned that because that was the first thing Loctite. You probably see it in these pictures too if you when you're scrolling through. But the first thing I noticed when I came in this garage is I'm like, I have never seen a garage so neat in my life. Everything is put away. Everything is organized. You got the fucking cork boards up, and there's yeah, like it's nicely no organized. Sure. There's no dirt. There's no shavings. No dust. How do you keep this place so fucking clean, dude? Well, I, you know, I. I it's not always like this. I mean, I try to keep it up as best I can. Uh, you know, I just hate wasting time, you know, just wandering around trying to find this or that, or, you know, I need one thing and it's in a you know, pile of shit. And I can't find anything anywhere. Right. Uh, it just keep, it, it keeps it nice and, you know, and easy. You know, everything's always in the same place. Um, you know, chips, I, I got little kids, so I try to keep it clean so I'm not, you know, tracking anything into the house or I don't have anything stuck on or, or whatever they get their hands on. So it works out good. I mean, you know, I just kind of clean as I go. And That's it, man. Cleaning as you go is the fucking move. Did you did you nail it with the layout as soon as you moved in? Or did you, like, have it one way and then switch it around and then switch it around again? Oh, it gets, I mean, I've... Things move around all the time. Uh, I mean, I, I have it where I like it right now, uh, as far as what I have and where. But I'm sure everybody goes through the same thing. With you know, I mean, I I, I have I love having space, but you always run out of it. So I know even on the three bed, because you and Loctite have a similar amount of space. 
in your garages right now. And then you do, you do crazy stuff like Loctite. You buy a whole car, you sit that baby in there. Before <laughs> <laughs> you know it, you got no base. Yeah. That's, I, I would love to do a car, but I, I can't, I can't sacrifice a bay. I can't give it up. I know, man. It's definitely yeah. tough. Loctite, fortunately, that car doesn't take up. That's probably the best size car you could have if you were going to try to jam a car somewhere. 100%. Yeah, 100%. And it's like, I've downsized a bunch. So I only have, my my rat rod takes up like half of one of my bays. So I still have two and a half bays left. The works oh, good. Yeah. There you go. And then you don't have to sweat it. Like when that other guy's truck was in there, fucking pristine, painted, dare not get a spark on it, truck sitting in half the yeah. garage. Yeah, all original 54 Ford. I was like, get this thing the fuck out of here. <laughs> Just running some stick rod over here. Don't mind me. Oh, my God. Dude, even like, so, Grease, I don't know if you've seen, but I, I got uh, the frame and wheels and everything down on that wagon that I was doing. Yeah. And, uh, dude, the fucking day before I did this, I went and picked up my uncle's brand new 2022 Street Glide Limited at Harley. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, he was like, hey, can I keep this at your shop for like a couple weeks? And I'm like, I'd (laughs) rather you didn't. He was like, come on, please, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, whatever, dude. Next day, dude, I'm fucking six feet in front of this thing, grinding, welding, cutting, fucking, yeah. I was like, I tried to tell you, this is a working shop. (laughs) It's the fastest way to get somebody's shit out of your garage, man. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) stuff that thing up but yeah so you got a couple different projects in there matt when i came over you had what was it not all not all of them are torn down but you had like five bikes in there right uh yeah there's there's five in here and then there's a uh there's another iron head under the bench oh that's right about your boxes The mystery iron head. I didn't even, I didn't even lay eyes on that one. It's tucked away very, you, dude, if anybody breaks in, they're never going to know it's there. <laughs> I mean, good luck to them. I mean, this thing's like, I mean, there's nothing that's in assembly. Everything is, I mean, the whole motor's down to the cases. You know, I get a crank in a, in a box here, you know, cams, heads, everything's just. Is that a swap apart. find? No, I actually found it. Um, uh, I, I like to go on, on Facebook market and I'll look around, you know, like I was window shopping there all day long, for you know, shit I don't need. And, uh, I try to keep an eye out for older iron heads, like mag, mag iron head magnetos. Yep. Um, just cause a lot of times you can get like, you know, a, a pretty good store on an iron head once in a while, they'll pop up. And, uh, that's what happened. There was one in Connecticut. It, uh, you know, a guy said he didn't really know anything about it. It's been sitting in his garage for years and years. And, uh, yeah, it was an, an earlier Ironhead. It's a 66. Oh, shit. And, uh, he was sitting in that digger frame that I had up on the wall with that gooseneck on it. Oh, yeah. You got and, a picture of that on the page there. Yeah. I, I couldn't pass it up. Like, well, you got the frame and the motor. So, you know, it's, what I paid for it was worth that in itself. So, Absolutely. Do you ever feel like uh, when people say they don't know anything about it, that's code for like, I've had my hands too deep into this bike to tell you what's what's taking place? 100%. (laughs) Every time. (laughs) Every time. Ramwin parked. Every time. 
Yeah, when someone says, I don't know much about it, I'm like, dude, this is a 66 Ironhead. You didn't buy this by accident. You know exactly what's about it. <laughs> Fucking hey. What, so was it like, is it banged up? Have you seen the, I mean, obviously now you've seen the inside, but did you tear it down or was it already torn down? No, when I showed up to get it, you know, it was only one picture of it. And the, the motor was sitting in the frame. It was a roller and it was sitting in the frame, like, you know, assembled. It had the side covers, the cases, the, you know, cylinders, heads, all that. Yep. So when I got there and saw it, I kind of started putting the pieces together. This thing was torn down. I mean, he had it in milk crates and, you know, boxes and bins and plastic bags and everything else. So oh, it was God, definitely dude. More- it was more than uh than I thought it was going to be torn down, but I mean it would have gotten that way anyway. So really, just kind of saves work on my end. That's true. It, as long as the person who took it apart was like organized to some degree. Yeah, I mean, I, I got everything in random boxes, and I, I kind of sorted it out as best I could and put everything in its own place, so that you know, I come back later, I'll you know, be able to see it, you know, see a label and be like, all right, the pranks in here, you know, heads are in here. and For sure. Yeah. I mean, everything you've got good. some, you've got some experience. I know we will, we'll dive right in right now and talk about this iron because you, this it won't be the first iron head motor you build because this 68 that you've got 68 or 69. 68. 68 the 68 you've got needed a little bit of motor work too right yeah that needed a uh that needed a top end which you know it isn't all that that crazy for you know an iron head it's comes out easy. Like, yeah i mean it's it's nothing like you know something you tear into today you know it's all pretty pretty straightforward as far as motors go um and i mean if you're going to have an iron head and have it for a long time, you know, it's definitely something you're going to want to, going to want to know, or at least be familiar with, because, you know, it's not like, it's not like something you buy brand new. It's going to go for, you know, 50,000 miles without really needing anything besides right. oil. <laughs> not known for the reliability on those old iron you know, heads. I mean, they, they, they can be to an extent, but that's, you know, that's all part of it. That's, that's part of the, the fun for me anyway. I mean, I, I like turning wrenches on chips, so, you know, not that I want things to break, but I don't mind, you know, doing a little maintenance here, maintenance there, you know, keeping things sure. up. It's, it, you know, it keeps me, it keeps my hands busy, so. Exactly. So that, that 68 is the one that when I came in and I saw that bike, I was like, this bike needs to be discussed on the show let's start with like what was the story how did how did you end up with that bike in the first place and what condition was it in when you bought it well that was pretty much the same as the other one i I was looking around uh, on craigslist and you know i I was looking for an iron head because i hadn't had one up to that point i I was trying to find one and uh there was one day it just i was at work and uh you know, I was looking around at lunch and it popped up and it was right on my way home. And uh, I, I just couldn't pass it up. I, I called the guy, you know, he still had it. And I just scooped up on the way home from work. There you go, man. You're, so you're always on the hunt. Are you like currently on the hunt? Are you looking for a third one of these right now? You know, I, 
I'm not, but they kind of, I guess maybe if you look around enough or, you know, they, they kind of start. Oh, I kind of lost you there. Can you still hear me? I'm always, I mean, I just, you know, I, I love motorcycles in general. Like just really anything, you know, anything that's got two wheels is, is cool with me. You know? So it's kind of a holdover um, from when I was younger, when I was a kid, I used to, I used to make money going on Craigslist and, you know, just looking for motorcycles in general, any, any kind, any, anything. And, um, like for a flip? Well, not, I mean, for, you know, sometimes for a flip, but you know, it's, it's kind of like a thrill of the hunt thing too. You know, you just go on see what's out there. And I mean, you'd be amazed how much things, you know, there are, or there were, I mean, Facebook markets kind of killed Craigslist, but, um, there was always all sorts of shit on there for you know free or you know 100 bucks or whatever you know old japanese bikes you know inline fours you know old gs you know enduro whatever and um you know it it was helpful then because i was trying to you know i was trying to learn about you know how how this stuff all worked you know i, I didn't have a mechanical background you know my my old man got me into bikes and I mean, he, he loved motorcycles, but he, he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, wrenching on, you know, he wasn't. Right. Not bike. doing the stuff that, that you're doing on these bikes now. Yeah. So I want to know how that works. So I'll go on Craigslist, you know, pick up something for free or cheap, something, you know, somebody's got, you know, sitting under a pile of leaves or whatever. And uh, just tearing that shit apart. And, you know, you don't, if it's free or whatever, you don't got to worry about breaking anything or, you know, if it's going to run at the end or anything like that, because you're just, you know, ripping it apart just to like look at the guts, you know? Right. And, exactly. Uh, I mean, it's a lot to learn too. Like, did you find it difficult when you were younger looking for these flips or not necessarily flips, but whatever you were hunting at the time to learn how to, take them apart and put them back together because it's not always super straightforward. Oh yeah. I mean, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't know, you know, for the longest time what, you know, what I was even looking for, you know, but that's kind of, you know, getting your hands dirty and, you know, getting in there and just, you know, taking a look at yourself and, just, you know, it's awesome. It's, you know, it, that's, that's kind of how you, get to know everything you know you kind of familiarize yourself with it and then you can learn from there right definitely good way to fuck up a few bikes but also really the only way to get to the other side yeah i mean if you're not gonna you know if you don't have somebody you know i, I didn't have anybody like you know to, to teach me about it you know i at the time when i was doing this you know 12 13 years old so you know i I didn't have anybody that, you know, would say, Hey, you know, this is this, or this is that, or this is how you, you know, take a car apart or, or whatever. So, you know, it's kind of a, you know, trial and error thing at that point. Right. Everybody's got to have that one carburetor that they pry open with the screwdriver on the gasket ceiling surface before they learn. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, I shouldn't <laughs> stick this in here. For sure. Yeah. Hit it with a hammer. 
<laughs> That's it, man. But obviously you, you pieced it together because so back to that 68 needed a top end. Was that your first Ironhead top end? Yes. Um, I'd been in this one before because when I bought it, um, when I bought it, it was, you know, it was semi-complete. I would say, you know, somebody, somebody already hardtailed it. Um, so I had that and the rest of it was just kind of either missing or just super half-assed. Yeah. Um, so, you know, same, same standard story, you know, oh, I don't really know anything about it. You know, it doesn't run. <laughs> you know, I got it to fire once that, you know, I think it needs a car clean, that, that whole thing. Listen, these uh, sellers are going to have to start up in their story game. I'm not trying to get by bike <laughs> anybody who says, I don't know a lot about it anymore. You got to get a new excuse for 2022. We're not buying it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you know. I, so it was I like half, half-assed half put together, but it was like you could kick it over still when you bought it. Yeah, right? it was like. It was like a project that somebody just lost in. Um, so they did a nice job. At, like the frame was in decent shape. We were actually talking when I was over there. Probably one of the most unusual setups where the top on the backbone area is welded and the bottom is bolted. I've, I've never seen it. Well, it looks, I mean, I, I tried to find something close and it looks like just an old like a santee hardtail yep uh because i think those are still that way where they they weld on the top and they bolt on the bottom um which you know i'm assuming you know they did that so you don't have to use a jig or you know not that you shouldn't anyway but but we know people do so (laughs) yeah yeah you know oh yeah the the first hardtail i did i I did with a strength you know it's it's one of those things you you know, yeah, Loctite, Loctite had an old timer <laughs> with his sporty do it with um, like plumb bobs and everything, right? Loctite, yeah, yeah, we did it the same way, just string and plumb bobs, yeah. Well, I mean, if it's straight, <laughs> really, I mean, he's splitting hairs at that point. I mean, if it goes down the road, good, he gives a fuck. That's right. <laughs> I know we always talk about like uh, when I'll do hardtails here. And then you look at like some of the frames that I'm cutting apart and you look at the way the factory put it together and I'm like, wow. And this was fine, you know, <laughs> for somebody oh, yeah. to fucking ride down the road. I, I've been looking at these. Uh, I've had this, that little Yamaha 250 that was on the lift uh, when you were here. Yep. I had that pulled apart. And I mean, same thing, like the factory welds on here and everything. It's like, you know, it, it's kind of unbelievable, but. It works. It worked then. It still works now. I mean, that's the one that was on the left hand side with the where the motor's part of the frame, right? Yeah. Yeah, that one was funky, dude. And that one had like square, very thin square tubing where where it did have frame. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually it's pretty cool. It's an SR two fifty. So, um, you know, those, I guess they're still pretty pretty popular, like in Europe and you know where they have the the motor size restrictions um but i mean this thing it, it's my uh my fiance's bike and she learned how to ride on it 
And, you know, it's been, it's been good to her. And, and this thing's a fucking blast. I mean, it's got no power. It doesn't weigh <laughs> anything. It weighs nothing. It's, this is, I, I don't know how with a steel frame, this thing could be as light as it is, but it's so much fun. You go out ripping it, you know, winding the thing out at, you know, 55 miles an hour. And That's just wild, it around like, That's great. <laughs> yeah, Loctite, we were talking about, he was he was talking about how it's popular in the UK and I forgot all about it. Remember we did that episode where oh fuck. And I'm spacing on his name. I apologize, but the guy from the UK was talking all about how difficult it is to get large CC bikes over there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. What a fucking yeah, even nightmare. even Cam was saying, remember Cam was saying in Australia, you can only like ride a certain CC until you get like, like some special license to have a bigger bike or some shit remember that yeah it, yeah kind of like that the uk guy was saying and he was i can't remember the name that he was that he gave to the people but like remember he was saying though these road cop people not regular cops but like the inspection cops he's like you don't fuck with these people these people yeah, yeah. will fucking take your license permanently yep fucking yeah, they like fuck your bike and shit yeah, he, he was saying there's like a special branch that like controls that type of thing. And if they catch you on something you're not supposed to be on, you're like permanently fucked. Oh, yeah. I mean, God bless those guys out there doing doing this shit, you know, especially with that. I mean, it's it's hard enough sometimes out here. You know, I mean, everybody's been there, you know, you're going down the road and, you know, especially you go by like a, you know, a stadium or something. They got, you know, a hair across their ass and all of a sudden you're on the side of the road and you know, you got no speedometer, you got no mirrors, you got no, you know, all that shit. But, right. I mean, like it's so I could focus on the road more officer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just looking at the road. <laughs> I didn't want any distractions. So I took it all off. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it is fucking, I mean, we're lucky up here. All three of us are in New Hampshire. Thank goodness. God's country up here. We don't have to worry yeah. about, Quite so much, not even so much like as what what mass has, you know. There even that gets a little dicier than up here. Yeah, it's tricky for sure. And I noticed that they don't tend to bother you if you are if you have a New Hampshire plate, but you're in mass. I've never had anybody harass me about like what my bike did or didn't have. Yeah, it seems like you know they wouldn't want to touch it. Just let you go, and they didn't yeah. see it. <laughs> like i don't know what the fuck they do up there maybe that's legal <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you got that top end apart on that 68 and what did it need did it need to be bored like overboard or did it just need a honing and some new rings like what was the state of the cylinders well the reason i pulled it apart is at the end of the year last year maybe the last two times i rode it Yep. Kick it over and it would just blow smoke like a fucking genie. Okay. So, oh, you know, I'm, I'm figuring, all right, well, it needs valve guides. You know, it's fairly, fairly standard. You know, I don't know when the last time they were done. Um, but I had it on, on the lip to, uh, to put the front end on it. And while it was up there, I pulled the top end apart, you know, try to get it ready for the year. And uh, yeah, the, the cylinders and the, and the pistons that were in it were just small. And uh, yeah, just junk. 
Yeah. So what I, what I ended up doing, uh, because I'm, I'm an impatient fuck is, uh, I pulled everything apart and the cylinders were, were standard bore. And I mean, they weren't bad, you know, they, they could easily have just been, you know, bored in a size or two over. Um, but because of the time of year it is every, every shop that can do that is, you know, is backed up. So it would, you know, few right. weight anyway. And, uh, so I just got new cylinders. I, I got just repro cylinders, um, uh, new pistons, new rings, threw that in. And, uh, I robbed that 66 of the heads that were in the box. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I never really looked at them much before I, I put them all away, but you know, they're nice boarded heads, polished heads, got, you know, big, big manly stainless valves in them. So I figured, fuck it, I'll just throw those on there. And then, you know, whenever this 66 gets off the ground, you know, sometime between now and never, uh, you know, I'll rebuild the other, I still got the other heads. So, you know, throw some valve guides and that and just run those. Yeah, hey, that works out, dude. I guess it it it, be, it pays off to be always on the hunt for these deals. Yeah, no, it was definitely cool just to have a set of heads sitting here. So you know, I don't got to be down for a few weeks or you know trying to find parts. Cause, you know, if you go on, you know, if you go on eBay or anywhere else trying to find you know a good set of heads for an iron head, I mean, you you pay as much as I paid for that whole buck. So it worked out real real good. Damn, dude, yeah, smoking deal. Yeah. So you got that put back together. No more smoke when she starts up. None. And what do you run it for a carb on that thing? Uh, it's a CV40. Got so it. I I don't know. You, you know how it goes with carbs. Everybody picks one and sticks to it. <laughs> That's it, dude. It. Truth. Um I've never had an issue with these and I, I know them, I know them really well and I know where to get parts for them. And, you know, they're a dime a dozen or on everything. You know, you can get one for 50 bucks that you could pop on something to go. So, you know, they're plentiful and they're easy to find and they, they run great. I mean, I, I have one on this iron. That was the first thing I ever did with it. I took the Bendix off the route in the crash and put a CV on it. There you go. Yeah, yeah I, never, I never heard great things about those Bendix carbs. You know, I mean, they're, they're fine. I mean, they're just a regular, you know, butterfly carb. You know, there's nothing really inherently wrong with them. But, you know, they can be temperamental. And then you can just get a CV for short money and you pop that on and you're never really going to have to fuck with it. Now you used to be able to get the CVs for for short money, but we were talking the swap meet prices on the CVs, man. Uh, it's a sign of the times. The inflation on these CV swap prices is rising. Well, you can, I mean, you can get them. The, the CV I have on uh, this uh, eighty-seven, the Evo Sporty, that one came from the, the Keen swap meet. Because there's still people, you can still go there, and you know, it, there's going to be a few booths where. You know, people want to wheel and deal and, you know, you can go in and you can get, you know, you can, you can find a little bit of treasure there still. And you uh, found Chopper Bob there, right? I did. Yeah, actually, I, I, I met him there. I got a frame off of him there, too. Um, but I still, I still own that seat casting from because <laughs> I haven't cut it up yet. 
Oh, that's right. Bob, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's coming your way. <laughs> Any day now, man, it'll be on the doorstep. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. But yeah, so you bumped into him there. You might've even been fucking bumping into Loctite. Loctite, you go to Keen every year, right? Every motherfucking year. I'm a big Swap Me fan. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's nothing better. I've been trying to tell Grease that for years. He doesn't believe me. I heard no, about no. it on last week's show with fucking Easy Company. Uh, it's, it's so much more. It's so much more satisfying. Like even if you even if you pay the same exact amount of money, it's so much better to go there and like find something that like either you've been looking for or you didn't know you were looking for until that moment. Yeah. But you know, In the, go, I think the best part is like the haggling and just like seeing people you know what i mean like like you said like meeting shop above and like all that kind of shit yeah well you know what everybody's into and you can right. tell when you go you can tell the booths you want to go to who you want yep. to talk to. yep and uh yo that's that's what was was great about uh meeting bob there too you know i got that frame uh he had a caliper i was looking for and you know we wheeled and dealed on the stuff and you know we both we both walked away happy and uh, I think we even we even talked about it for a minute that you know there's some booths that are still like that that are great they're the best it's awesome that's what the swap meet's all about but there's some that you go and it looks like an eBay store you know everybody's got their stuff out you know yeah, like the drag specialty there. guys set up <laughs> yeah well even, even aside from those guys you know there's guys who I know one of them I stopped in and I was looking for an air cleaner and I ended up getting it from another guy but uh. You know, he was asking a retail price for it, which is fine. You know, I'm not, I'm not out to, you know, I want everybody to make their money. You know, I'm not out to like try to get something for free. Uh, but it's the spirit of it, you know. I, right. I asked him about it, and I was like, hey, you know, you say you wanted like forty bucks, I'm like, hey, take thirty-five. Like, well, you can find a really great deal on eBay. All right, dude. <laughs> like, moving on to the next, you know? Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, that's my favorite part of it, though. I love, like, the haggling and, like, and, like, like you said, you know who's who. And, like, you can tell, like, yeah. you can walk out and bust that dude's balls about his prices. And I think yeah, like yeah. that's the best part. You got to test, yeah, you got to test the waters a little bit with people and then, you know, kind of feel them out. Be like, all right, yeah. here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the best yeah. find you ever had at a swap meet, both of you? That's I know a it's a tough one. one. <laughs> uh, you could, could you could just modify the question say, to one of your favorite finds. I'll say the best deal I've gotten is that seat that I got on the sports day, which yep. is like a an original Corbin Gentry from like I think like the seventies or something. So it has like that thin aluminum pan. Yep. So you can pretty much form it to whatever you need. Um, ended up getting that at the swap meet. No rips, no tears, not even like wrinkled leather, like faded wrinkled leather. And got that thing for 25 bucks. Dang. Yeah. Dude, that's the kind of fucking deal I'm always trying to see on a Corbin Gentry. I feel like Corbin Gentry is another one of those things that have gone through the fucking roof. Like, Oh, yeah. Two, three hundred bucks people asking for these old things now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. The swap meets where it's at. I'll always like my whole thing for swap meets is I get there super early and I get to all the tables 
see what's what. And if like this is something I know is going to sell, I'll buy it right then and there. But if I know it's probably going to hang around, I'll just leave it and then come back on my way out. And be like, listen, you trying to put that thing back in the van? You want me to? You know what I mean? <laughs> It works every time, dude. I'm telling you. <laughs> you know, I I don't know. I, I, I was trying to get when I was at Keen, I was trying to get a uh this 18-inch wheel. And I kept, you know, I, I do my hundred laps around everywhere, look at everything. And every time I come by, it was sitting right front and center. And I just had my eye on it all day. And I did that same thing. You know, I I, I talked to the guy about it. He, you know, I don't know what the going rate is, but he wanted like 200 bucks for it. And it was Ben. So, you know, I still wanted it. I still had my eye on it. And I just, I didn't end up taking it because by the end of the day, you just really wanted to throw it back in the truck, you know? But win some and you lose some. Yeah, that's it, man. I found that I always get the best deals at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's like you said, you know, who wants, who wants to throw all this shit back in the van? You know? Right. You're there. Yeah, like a lot of those guys, like that's a lot of them, like retired dudes that are still building shoppers. And like, this is how they're making their money. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. So they're trying to make that sale. Oh, definitely. I mean, I know that for a, a while, when I was doing all that that Craigslist shit, just buying anything I could get. Yep. Eventually, you know, this was probably like between like 2004 and 2008. So you know, everything had you know a website or a forum, and what was great, especially with you know those early Japanese bikes is it's kind of like a swap meet, you know, you can go get something for, you know, cheap or free. And even if there's one part on there that, you know, it's hard to find or, you know, it's kind of unobtainium. Yep. You can go to all these specific forums, like, you know, for say like Kawasaki Enduros or, you know, even like XS 650s or whatever, they all have their own following. So if you get your hands on one, you can make your money back and then some and give somebody an awesome deal. Mm-hmm. Dude, so the fucking ECU, the ECU off of any bike will go on eBay for two to $400, depending on the bike. Oh, hell yeah. Dude, I've been sweating that because I've been fighting this, uh, or I was fighting that, that little Yamaha 250 because I had the weirdest fucking gremlins I've ever seen in my life. Like, you know, I could get it to fire up, run, it'd run great. And then it would. And I went through everything, all the electrical, you know, the carb, you know, pull the carb out, double, triple check everything, you know, made sure that, you know, the coil was good. It wasn't heating up and then dying when it got hot, you know, but the only things you can't really test are, you know, a CDI or a TCI. And these old Yamahas have, just everyone's just got the goofiest electrical system, a charging system or ignition. And, uh, right. you know, 
it's something that you can't, there's no test for it. You can't test a TCI to see if it's good. As far as I know, I mean, if, if somebody knows how, I would love to hear about it, but you know, so you have to kind of gamble. You kind of narrow everything down to that and you're like, shit. I mean, I hope it's bad. And then if I buy it off of eBay for 200 bucks and that's not the problem, I'm going to be kicking myself in the ass, but <laughs> luckily it wasn't with this, but like, you never know. You can't tell. And then like you said, somebody gets hands on one it goes on ebay for you know some crazy amount of money and eventually somebody's going to need it yep that's it dude i thought i had uh, i remember i had given when i took the roadstar apart which is another yamaha bike i ended up selling it and when i was giving the parts to davy sprocket the guy that had bought it from me I forgot I had given the harness to fat man to like simplify, to cut some wires out of. And so I was like, ah, oh, dude, I don't have the harness. You know, I'll just go on, on eBay and just grab like that ECU and I'll just like buy it. And I'll send that with the bike dude, $400 on every fucking listing for this ECU unreal amount of money. Cause like people can't even sell a Roadstar for like for three grand. But the ECU alone is 400 bucks. Oh, because if you need it, they got you by the balls. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do? You can't go to fucking anybody for it. You're going to give the man his money. That's right, man. It's fucking tough. But to your point about like doing that as a kid, if you're parting out a bike as a 13-year-old, dude, that's unreal money you could bring in from like very, like sell the carbs, sell the ECU, the motor if it's running all that shit it was it was definitely i mean for being a kid you know it's nothing you know wasn't setting the world on fire making tons of money hand over fist but at the same time you know and hopefully hopefully today you know kids trying to get into this shit can do the same thing where you know you can find deals like that and then you know you get into tearing shit apart and breaking it and then eventually you're not breaking it and the stuff that you get you can kind of network sell you make a little bit of money and uh especially for you know especially for people like us you know building choppers and everything else you know the stuff you don't sell ends up in your you know parts hoard you know you stash so down the line you know you pick something up you know say you pick up like a honda and it's you know the coil shit out well you got five different honda coils sitting in a box from you know bikes you've had in the past to part it out and you know a lot of times that stuff's interchangeable like i can't tell you how many times i've gotten out of a jam you know i'll have like a yamaha doesn't have an ignition switch i'm like well shit i got like a box hole you pop one on they're all the same Right. That's a good point. Yeah. A lot of that stuff swapped out. Harley's the same way too. I feel like how many model years could you take the same coil and slap that thing on there and be like, yep, this works here. Oh, hell yeah. And, you know, so that's, what's great about, it. you know, you get, you get a little experience, you know, you're tearing shit apart, you make a little bit of money and then you get all that shit, you know, just off to the side whenever you need it, you know, later on, Need something, bang, I got it. Or I got something I can make work, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah, having a couple of things on hand is is a really 
helpful thing to not have to do. I've even had that with like parts that aren't even bike specific, like just having a second bike that like, oh, my headlight bulb went out and you're like, oh, I got one over here. Or like, oh, I have, you know, when I was redoing the bike this past summer, I needed a seat and I had a seat off the other bike. Just not having to like buy the part on the spot always can be kind of helpful. Oh yeah. Especially if they get you through like, you know, a weekend or you get somewhere to go or something you want to do, you want to take the bike out, you know, and you just need something to slap on there for now. It's the best, it's the best, the best feeling when you, you dig through and you find something that you needed. But I'm glad I had this thing for like 10 years sitting in a box. <laughs> I know that's the part in Loctite. And I have joked about that many times about like, <laughs> I have a, I have a tough time like hanging on to stuff that I don't think I'm going to use anytime in the near future. So if it happens to me, it's especially gratifying because there's not a lot of stuff that I do keep around. So when it does come up and I'm like, Oh, I have that fucking stoked, dude. You know, I, I, I used to have tons of shit, like tons and tons of boxes of shit. And uh, just this past year, I figured like, hey, because I wanted to get this, you know, this space all cleaned up and, you know, cleared out and organized for different areas for things. So all that shit was in the way. So yeah. I got rid of a ton of it. And it was, it was very surprisingly difficult to get rid of a huge box of free parts because I threw it up on Facebook market as huge box of free parts. Like, I don't know what's in it. There's shit from everything. It's a huge box. There's parts in it. It's all for just coming in. And uh, it was surprisingly difficult to get rid of. You know, people, hey, do you have this? Do you have that? I'm like, dude, it's, it's a whole box of shit. You just got to come and take it. Whole box. Oh, yeah, dude. And, this is a select market of people that want this. Oh, yeah. I mean, but since then, you know, I that was my, my moment of getting rid of everything and, you know, starting over and, Probably once a month, something will pop in my head and be like, that was in that fucking box. Shit. <laughs> now I, now I, I, I can use it. Right. It's such a delicate balancing act because you don't want to be stepping over shit all the time. And we've talked about this so much on the podcast. I think that I take it too far to one extreme. And I can definitely admit that, that like I throw out probably more shit than I ought to. But at the same time, I don't trip over anything in my garage. And yeah, you don't have to trip it. over stuff. Yeah, you do. You it's like to organize it. Like yeah. I have, I have a shelf. It's like a baker shelf that has all parts on it. I never trip on it. It's never in my way. What's and a baker shelf? It's like one of those like big aluminum shelves, with like slotted racks, and it's it's probably six feet wide by like eight feet tall, and it has uh, okay. one, two, I three, I four. About. I think like four or five racks on it. Yep. And that just has all my parts. And the good thing is, it's like, I, no matter what, if I have that bike, I'm not getting rid of those parts. Yeah. But I also have other parts of like, just shit where like, I know would be handy. You know what I mean? Like sprockets and coils and controls, like shit like that. And it comes in handy. Dude. Like when Dan was at my house yesterday, he's like, dude, I really, I've been looking for clamp on pegs. That way I can put them up front to like put like highway bars essentially. Right. And I'm like, oh, here, I got fucking six sets. Here's a set. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fuck, dude. Stocked up. Yeah. Anytime I see those that swap me, I grab. 
but it's just like things like that you know what i mean like i just have like sprockets hanging on the wall and one it looks cool and two i never have to i rarely have to buy parts because i just already have shit and i can help like homies out that need some shit that's true there's some there's definitely some uh and that's kind of what i mean is like you're trying to find the right balance where it's not goat trails in your garage but it's not like also totally empty and i was gonna say matt i'd be surprised if you had a ton of shit because i wouldn't have, i wouldn't have known where you'd been hiding it because when i went in there there was just like a lot of open floor space a lot of nice clean shelves besides those boxes under the uh the drill press area there, it wasn't much like clutter. Yeah, well, I'm trying to get those moved. I, my thing has been like, I'm trying to get like a camper or something that I can hollow out and park it and use that for a part stack. So I can fill that up with all sorts of shit and not be tripping on it. Because I feel like that's the move. And, uh, it's it got tough to to keep things in here because the reason that I have things where I have them now is uh kind of like kind of like you were talking about earlier like you have something in your garage or you have somebody else's something in here and you really don't want to be you know firing sparks at it or or whatever which it seems like every time you know you got to grind on something real quick or you got to weld something and you could have nothing in there but that one thing, and that's where the sparks are going to go. It's like a mag. I think it's so, God's way of telling people to not put stuff in other people's garage. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. I mean, like you say, it's a great way to get people to keep the shit out. But, <laughs> you know, like, I, I try to keep everything. You know, I have a section over, um, you know, like when you were here where the, where the welder is or the welders are at. Yep. That's kind of like, my spark area so that's the furthest place away from anywhere i park bikes at got it and then next to that i got you know i got a workbench um with the lift and there's like a drill press over here and stuff so i can do you know i can work over here but i'm not worried about you know i'm not worried about fucking anything up right so that is a good little layout that you've got and you've got the the bikes, yeah, we're all kind of parked toward the other end of the garage. And with a three-bay yeah, garage, well, that's a lot of space, you know, in between those two zones. It is, but it, it closes in on you quick when you're trying to figure out a way, you know, well, I got to, you know, I got to run grinders and welders and shit, but like, you know, I, I don't want to be ruining anything. So, you know, it kind of closes in on you, it, which I guess can be helpful because then you have to put certain things in certain places. So it's, you know, it's kind of a no-brainer where things are going to go. It doesn't close in on you with that motherfucking TIG, though. No, definitely not. <laughs> Fucking clean, man. And speaking of that, you got the, uh, we've had a lot of people who listen to the show ask about uh, your particular welder. And I happened to notice it when I came in, mainly because it's the first thing I look at all the time, but also because people always ask about that prime weld. How do you like that machine? It's It's been real good to me. I mean, I, I was looking for an Everlast uh, when I found it because I'd never heard of it before. Um, but I was looking at different machines and this one popped up and, you know, it comes with a nice torch and, you know, it's, it can do ACDC. So, you know, if I got to do aluminum, I can do it, you know, 225, 
So, you know, you're going to, you're going to weld anything, you know, within our purposes, you're going to have to weld anything on, on a motorcycle with 225 amps, you're going to weld. Oh yeah. No problem. So it's kind of, it's kind of like a do all, you know, you can, you can do, you know, you can do TIG on it. It's got pulse, you know, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's got some shit to wow your friends and you know, it's, it's reasonable, you know, it's under a thousand bucks, you know, which I'm sure, you know, you know, you're looking at like a dynasty or something and you're like, well, I can't spend five grand to fuck around on choppers, you know? (laughs) So way too much money, dude. You know, and, and I mean, this, this, it's run great. You know, I, I use it a lot for stick welding too. Um, you know, anything I got to make, you know, if I got to make like pedestal stands, like I got a pedestal stand for a tube and bender and one for, you know, a a motor for a polishing wheel and all that stuff, you know, stick welding. Just stick weld the shit, you know, just crank it up to 11 and fucking and run. Loctite's getting and, excited over there hearing about the stick welding. Oh, it's that, that's the best kind of welding there is. You can do that shit underwater. It's the only <laughs> kind of welding. You can do it in space. You can do it anywhere. It's the only <laughs> kind of You can do it underwater. <laughs> yeah, throw a goofy fucking globby 7018 bead on it. You know it's going to hold. <laughs> it's never going anywhere. Shit's so, holding the whole world together. Yeah, I was going to ask you what you were stick welding in there, but that makes sense because those are some chunky fucking bases you had on the uh, the tubing bender there. Yeah, well, I mean, any anything anything I want to stick and never fucking move again. Yep. Seventy eighteen, and it's you know you're not paying for gas. You're not you know you're not sitting there trying to you know take while the half plate you know. Yeah, exactly. It would just take forever to do. If you, if anybody thought stick welding was slow, just fucking try to TIG weld a, a massive plate. Oh, brutal. Even pass doing, even pass. Doing you know, if you yeah. TIG weld pipe, you're there all day. Oh, yeah, dude. In eternity. It feels like the, the pass goes in like a 16th at a time. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's, it's getting thicker by the thousand. <laughs> yeah. That's what some people do those fucking, those monster coupon with the which is like schedule 120 and they do tig all the way out and i'm like holy shit dude that test must be four hours long to fucking fill out that pipe you're setting aside a week for that but i mean this thing's been you know (laughs) it was like 800 bucks you know it's like 800 bucks you know it's you know plus you you know your cost of gas or you know leasing a bottle or or however you do it yep and uh i mean i i it does everything I would ever need it to do and more. So that's good to hear. And so the the high points on this, because a lot of people, so I have the AHP alpha TIG, which is probably like the biggest competitor to the prime weld. Um, not necessarily in that order. I think the AHP came out and the prime weld came out after and they, they upped them by like, so mine is a 200 amp when the, when they made that prime weld machine, they gave it 25 more amps. So they could be like, fuck you, AHP fucking 225 oh, yeah. baby. And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I will say, as far as the torch comes with the actual CK uh, TIG torch with a flex head, which is for anybody who doesn't do a bunch of TIG welding, that's like the number one brand in TIG welding torches is CK. So they give you like a name brand torch with the machine, which is surprising. And all the features, pretty much the same. The foot pedal is exactly the same. I, I it's 
quite literally the same pedal with the same connector. So the two machines could be could easily be made by the same company. I think Nova makes all the foot pedals anyway, but all the features seem pretty much identical. I would have to look close at like the duty cycle to even find much difference if there even is any um, other than the max amperage between the two machines. You know, this thing was probably built in the same factory and they just slapped a different color of paint on it. I would not be surprised at all. But, it's you know, not, it's got the same type of uh, like we were joking when I when I was over there about how my machine has spelling errors on the front and then how the way that that machine reads out, like instead of saying pulse time on, it had some goofy ass way of phrasing the, the way that the pulse works. And if, you, if you'd have never looked at a TIG welder before, you'd be like, what the fuck is this thing even saying? So oh, the pulse duty. <laughs> yeah. Pulse duty. I was like, what yeah. the fuck does that mean? And we had to look at the fucking little arrows on the drawing just to understand, but it just makes me feel like they are made right in the same factory because they yeah. both have errors on the panels. Oh yeah. But I mean, that, that's a great thing. You know, I, you know, if you got, you know, a thing against, I mean, if you have anything against buying, you know, something that's made in China or made overseas, I mean, your, your reds and blues are made overseas too. You know, it's, it's all the same shit. And that was a bummer to find out. I actually didn't realize that. I mean, they didn't used to be, but they are, they certainly are now. Yeah. You even, you could buy a dynasty today and it's going to say like engineered in the USA, but not made in the USA. (laughs) But it's it's a great thing for people, you know, people who are, you know, hobby welders or they're doing shit on bikes, you know, and everybody wants to take weld shit, you know, it's it's sanitary, it's clean, it's not going to send sparks all over the place, the beads look nice, you know. You don't have to grind it, yeah. You don't have to grind it, I mean, there's a, it's not, it's not prohibitive anymore for people to do that, because it used to be, you know, it, it was never practical before, you know to you know have a tig welder in your in your garage at home you know unless you're making money with it and it's going to pay for itself yep you know it's not like you're going to buy one just to screw around with and learn and you know maybe start doing some stuff with it after the fact you know it's like they were massive dude they were huge they were like the size of an fucking ac unit that would sit like outside your house to power central air Oh yeah, and you know nobody's going to take out a loan to you know learn how to TIG weld for fun, <laughs> you know. Right. So yeah, and it was tricky. It was harder. I can honestly say, I was using the uh, one of the machines at the job site I'm on. It was like some ancient machine, got to be from like the 60s or 70s, and I was doing aluminum with it. So like you're really testing the machine, and I can tell you, I, I bet anybody who who grew up in that era that must've washed out half the people who tried welding. It's like just the fact that the machines were fucking trash and they had oh, no sure. adjustability. And it's like, I, I always say this is the golden era for welding. Like it's so affordable to get unbelievable results that people 30 years ago would have killed to be able to lay those beads in their garage. You could do it. Oh, hell yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, it, and they're, they're multi-process machines. So it's not like, you know, you, you have to buy one dedicated thing for this and one dedicated thing for that. You know, at least, you know, it, it doesn't have a feeder, but at least, you know, you got TIG, you got stick, you're, you're welding anything you could ever want to weld at home. And then some. Yeah. And you got your heavy you know, shit and your light shit. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, 
but what are you doing in your in your garage you know exactly but that's what i mean it's like you could do heavy shit with the stick side you could do light shit with the tig side and you're oh, yeah. you're pretty much covered on all bases everything but like auto body panels is like the only thing where i'm like what would you use only mig for it's just t- oh. automotive work is really handy to have a MIG, but outside of that, I don't do any of that either. So that doesn't concern me, but oh, <laughs> that's great too. There's nothing wrong with that. Yep. That's it, man. But yeah. Man, so I'm glad hard- oh, go ahead. It's a, it's a hell of a lot easier. You know, you're trying to hold something together with, you know, both your hands and you got a foot in there and, you know, you got all the shit balanced up, you know, even if you kept a, a little feeder around just to pack shit together way easier you know you you only need one hand if that that's true yeah you can just run run it for the fucking tax and then run the dimes in there on the rest of it i also meant to ask you are you running that on 110 or 220 220 okay have you run it on 110 at all i have not run this on 110 at all okay i was curious about that that's like when you get into the the nitty-gritty of it but um like, cause I've run mine on 110 and I think I can get 140 amps out of it on 110. A lot of people ask about that because they don't have 220 in their garage yet. And they say, oh, well, can I run it on 110? And the prime weld and the AHP both are like, you could do either voltage, but um, yeah. obviously it's, it's better on 220. You can go higher and more, more duty cycle, not just for the pulser, but for the whole machine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, e- even that, I mean, for, for what you're doing in here, you know, you're not running miles away. So, you know, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure if you throw the 110 adapter on this thing and ran it on 110, for anything you're doing on, on bikes or, or whatever, it's going to be fine. You don't, you don't need 225 amps to, you know, weld a bracket or, you know, a hardtail or some shit on your fender or whatever. Right, exactly. I've taken that little miller that I have to people's places, and that thing will run 130 amps off of 110 and i don't think there's anything i couldn't do even at 130 amps on on a motorcycle yeah if if you got 130 amps and it's you know it's it's running relatively smooth and you're not you know you're not maxing the thing out every two seconds having to wait for it to cool off i mean you're running eighth inch 7018 130 amps all day long and that's oh, yeah. more than almost anybody's going to need for anything Fucking blasting through. Absolutely, man. So, yeah, I, I kind of took us down a sidetrack there, but I appreciate you sharing the the input on that because, like I said, a lot of people ask about that machine. I want to get back to that 68, though, because there's a couple other things that you did. Speaking of the TIG, uh, we were talking about things getting expensive, and Springers were fucking crazy expensive for the past couple of years, and you made a whole Springer in your garage. Can you take us through the thought process behind deciding to make it and then how you actually went about making it? Yeah. Um, so, so I've been going down. I, I have this thing like, you know, if I could have one of every bike in the world or like build one of every kind of bike, I would, you know, I, I love, you know, choppers, old, you know, sport bikes, cafe racers, all that shit. It's all cool. Um, so I go through these things, you know, I'll have like a, I'll, I'll get fixated on something like, Oh, I got to do one of these or I got to do one of these. So I've been super into, for whatever reason, um, the old, like 
old diggers, like nest diggers and, you know, Dave Parowitz and all those guys who were building diggers back in the day. And, uh, you know, that's been like my thing for maybe the last few months, like just looking at them and being like, dude, I got to put one of these together. And, uh, you know, kind of the centerpiece of all that is that Springer that, you know, like old nest century wishbone Springer. And, um, I just wanted one and, uh, you know, but I didn't want to, you know, there, there's some people making them, you know, I know, uh, I know Bone Orchard makes one that, you know, he, he does a, amazing work. You know, I've seen those and, uh, you know, you could go find one in a swap meet or something like an original and, you know, strip it down and rebuild everything. And, you know, cause it's going to more than likely be all, you know, clapped out by now or be missing parts or whatever. Right. Um, so I wanted one, but I didn't want to buy one. I just figured I, you know, I might as well just make, it. and, um, you know, cause I'd never done it before. So figuring, you know, well, what the fuck, you know, put it together. If it doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out or, you know, or whatever. So, you know, I, I, I was looking at them, you know, I, I spent a lot of time, a lot of time looking at pictures and, you know, thank God we have, you know, the internet now. So you can go on and look up anything you want. You can find a million different pictures and angles and everything else. Um, so, you know, I started looking at all that stuff and I mean, it's, I figured, you know, it was worth a shot, you know, might as well give it a try. Yeah. And uh, just kind of went from there and, you know, gathering information where I could and, you know, pictures where I could and measurements where I could and everything else, you know, just, so where so you had measured out the the length of your stock front end and you knew how how much longer than stock you wanted it to be, right? Right. Well, what you do, you know, just in in general for a springer is they, they're measured from the top of the bottom tree to the center of the axle. Got so it. but you know, everybody bases it off a of different shit, you know, there's whatever bike they're basing it on, you know, there's, there's a few different lengths. So for, you know, for my purposes, you know, on, on a Sportster, it's 23 inch. At least that, you know, that front end that I had, you know, the, the stock iron head front end, 23 inches from the bottom of the neck from the top of the tree, the center of the axle. So what I did was I just threw the bike on the left, you know, jacked it up, got it about where I wanted it to sit. And then took a measurement from there. And, and what happens is, you know, the wheel I was running is just a 19 inch wheel. So it's 23 inches from the center of the axle to the ground. Oh, okay. So, so that's kind of the, the two numbers you're really working with. So, you know, once you have your 23 inches from the center of the axle, to the ground, you can put the frame, you know, wherever you want it with, within reason. I mean, there's, you know, you want to be, you don't want to go too crazy, you know, and your wheels flopping around and, you know, there's, there's, you know, your rake and your trail and all that, all that shit. But, um, you know, yeah, I got it where I wanted it to be measured it out. And I ended up settling on just going four over with it because I wanted it to sit, you know, be a little bit long, 
but nothing, you know, I didn't want the frame to be super high in the front or anything like that. You know, I still want it to be relatively, relatively level. Right. Um, so yeah, just, just going from there, you know, you figure out your leg lengths from there and just kind of, kind of wing it and do shit that, you know, you, you try and make work and it's super cool. Super cool to see you like diving in and just going for it. You had done, so you had done the front legs have a double bend in them and you had done some on you. You had to do kind of like two different angles because of how it worked in the actual jig. Talk about that part. Well, what I did, I I didn't want to, you know, maybe it it, it comes from like me being from a welding background or like a structural steel background is that I didn't want to, I didn't want to hop on them. You know, I, I don't know how much of a difference it would make really on a, a front end. You know, I, I, if it would really be <laughs> noticeable, like to work hard and them and kind of weaken them. Sure. But I didn't want to heat them and bend them. So I wanted to cold bend them. So I have just the, the JD squared bender in here. And as tight as I can get on that is uh, six inches in between bends. So I kind of, I just did the math, you know, like just to do an offset from where the center of my holes are, my spring bridge and my top clamp, Yeah, uh, done the leg spud and just bent them up like that and it all, it all worked out. And you kind of, and you were saying that you had a, because of the way that it sat in the actual jig, that second bend kind of comes back a little bit, right? Yeah, well, they're on the bends are on the same plane, so they're you know they're in line with each other. But because I only had, I can only get as tight as six inches in between. Um, instead of being, if I go way to explain it, but instead of being like coming straight down out of the spring bridge and straight out and straight down the way like an original century front end would be. Yep, these are laid back a little bit. Because I couldn't, I couldn't get tight enough the way I was doing it to uh, to hit the centers. So I pulled them back a little bit, and uh, it actually ended up working out pretty good. I, I'm, I think it's pretty cool. Is it so, kind of? Yeah, the reason little... I I bring it up is because I've I you really don't see springers done that way, and it's the first thing I notice when I look at it from the side is it has that like kind of sweet that sweet back, and I actually think it looks fucking way better than just going straight out sideways. You know, it's kind of one of those things that just, you know, I, I couldn't really find a way around it without heat bending it. And I wanted to avoid that. So I just rolled with it and it, it panned out pretty good. I mean, it and you, rides you on. Got, the listeners got, able to, to see it too. Like obviously his Instagram name is in the, the title of this week's episode. So Go to his page and you'll you'll see a picture on there of what we're talking about because there's a good close up of the front end. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things. I mean, that, that's what you know. At least to me, that's what building choppers and shit's all about. You know, just you got to. I mean, you'll never know unless you try. You know, so why not? You know, you want a Springer, build one. You know, right. At least try it, and then if you fuck it, it up, you know, buy one. It takes balls though. <laughs> 
it well, definitely takes balls back. I'm going to build this front end. <laughs> I do. To be fair, I, I do have, I, I have a welding background. So I, yeah. I, I know how to weld. So, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm trying to learn how to weld. Well, I mean, you shouldn't do that because <laughs> that's, that's how you end up. <laughs> yeah. Building it with a flux core from Harvard Freight. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I knew the welds would be good. So, as far as that, I mean, you know, if I put it together and it just didn't work out, then fucking throw it in the trash and try right. something. You know, that's that's what this shit's all about, you know. Now, do you have a fab background outside of what you do with the iron workers? Because this this kind of welding is not necessarily like what you do at work. But did you do something like this before? Nope. No, I just, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's just one of those things, you know, like. You want to build something, you fucking figure it out. You know, even if it's a great thing, it's just, it's just steel. You know, if you fuck it up, throw it in the trash, get a new piece, try again. I mean, it kind of sucks now because it's wicked expensive, but. Um, right. You know, I, just, I love the confidence of it, you know, because like you're running 70, 18 all day at work and you're like, why wouldn't I just fucking TIG this Springer together? Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> and it came out, dude, I looked at the fucking welds on it too, and it's, it's fucking super clean. And like you were saying too, it gives you the freedom to do more structure than you might get. Like everybody always shits on DNA springers. I don't know whether it's right or wrong. I've never run one myself, but you had seen some springers fail. And then you said, okay, I'm going to make, because you're making it, you get to say, I'm going to make the front legs solid and they go all the way through the spring bridge up to the fucking nuts on the top. Right. Yeah, yeah. The front legs are, uh, yeah. It's it's all it's all one piece. There's no there's no separate rods. It's just all the whole front leg is just one piece all the way up through the top tree. And that's like so three quarter solid, right? The front legs are, yeah. Yeah, that shit ain't going nowhere. No, I mean it's it's probably. I mean, I I have the three quarter solid for the front. And the rear legs are, are one inch, but they're, you know, 250 wall, a quarter inch wall tubing. So it's not, I mean, it, unless I tried to fucking Dukes the hazard this thing, like over a speed bump, <laughs> it, it's going to be all right, you know. That's it. Yeah. Because when you were showing me the, the tubing, like you see that quarter inch wall on a one inch pipe laying on a table and you're like, that's a fucking chunky bar yeah yeah it ain't moving and you know i'm sure you know that you know from from you know having welding experience is that a, a tube is actually going to be stronger than a solid rod right in you know in compression yep so you know even if you built it out of one inch solid rod in the back you know that that's about the thickest tube you can get in, in in one inch and i mean you can get away with a hell of a lot thinner but you know for the for the difference in the price of steel and you know who gives a shit how heavy it is it's going on a chopper you know i mean it's not yeah none of that like is fast (laughs) yeah you don't you don't have to worry about you know shaving weight anywhere so you know you got a couple extra lbs on the front who cares so how did you lay out the uh the spring bridge and like the the lower tree and what did you what did you end up cutting them with? Well, that was, you know, you, you, 
all you really need to do is know where to your holes need to be, you know, run everything off of the center, you know, you know, you have a, a steering stem coming through. So everything is going to be based on that, you know, how wide you want it, how narrow you want it, you know, depending on what you're running for a hub, you know, everything, everything's based on that one point. So, you know, you can pull a number over and, you know, make it five inches wide or whatever you want to do. And then, you know, compensate for the size of your tubing or whatever. You can make it as wide or as skinny as you want. You're just running off of that one point. Right. But did you cut this on a, like, you cut this with an angle grinder? You got a CNC machine hiding somewhere? How did you actually cut oh, this? No. <laughs> no, this this was, uh, I mean, all of the, the trees were cut with a bandsaw. Oh, okay. And then all the holes are drilled with hole saws. So really, yeah. So you get, I run everything through a bandsaw and then, you know, all, all the holes, they, they don't, I mean, it's better. Like if I had like a mill, this should be way easier <laughs> you know? yeah. and you, know, you end up with a better hole, you know, drill bits and hole saws don't drill perfectly round holes. But right. luckily with something like this, it doesn't really it doesn't really matter that much, you know, as long as you're, as long as your shit's in the right spot, you know, everything's going to either get clearance drilled for a bolt or the, you know, the holes for your spring, uh, you know, for your spring rods and everything else are going to have bushing. So. Oh, that's you know, true. Lathe, yeah. I have a lathe in here. So it, really, you know, if, if the holes are off a couple thousandths or whatever, you know, I just, you know, I can make, I can make my bushings. And make them to whatever size they need to be to fit the front end. So it's not terribly important. I mean, they have to be like, they have to, you have to drill straight through shit. You know, you can't have holes that are going in every direction. And, you know, you got to build it out. Just fucking hog it out. Like fucking 45 bag drill bit in there. (laughs) Get in there with the cutoff wheel. You're good. Yeah, I like how too. As soon as the lathe comes up, we start talking about thousands. It's like straight over into the machinist world. Oh, no, I, <laughs> the tolerances, yeah. baby. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not. I, I have I have one of these fucking scary ass lathes from the 30s with the, the leather belt on it and shit. Like, oh, just, Loctite. Not, <laughs> oh yeah, I love it. This thing's great. You know, I, I'm not doing. I mean, I, I'm I'm sure Bob's cringing right now listening to all of this. But Loctite's not. We always used to give Loctite a hard time about the leather belt with the fucking staples on it that was running the lathe he had over there. But I guess that's just how they fucking make them, huh? Yeah, that's like what 90% of people's lathes look like. (laughs) Oh, dude. (laughs) It had one, the leather belt snapped, so I threw a serpentine belt and then it's good to go. You know, it's accurate. We fucking won World War II with this thing. Why wouldn't it be accurate now? You know what I mean? Exactly. (laughs) That's it. And if it's not accurate, just hog it out. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, yeah. I think the lathe, the lathe I had when I typed it into like Google and shit, I want to say it came back as like a 49 or like a 52 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, you're, you're trying to find like like enthusiast groups to be like, what's the serial number from? I think this, <laughs> this thing's like I think I want to say it was like 1939 or 1940. You know, 
It's a thousand fucking years old, but it's spin shit. And for my purposes, I'm not going to be making like bearing shafts on it. You know, I'm not going to be making anything that's got to be like a super tight tolerance or, you know, be perfect. But for what I need, you know, spinning up some bushings out of aluminum and, you know, drilling holes and whatever else, it's, it's great. It's fine. Yeah, just for shit like that. And also to like to be able to take a little bit of material off something and know that it's going to be square. Even just that is like fucking helpful. Like spacers, when I do a hardtail and you want to space out the rear axle plates and know that like they're perfect. Just shit like that would be so, so handy to be able to do on a lathe and say like, okay. And then tell all your friends it's within thousands. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing so better than firing up a lathe and talking about how tight the tolerances are. It's just hand in hand. It's, it's, yeah, I've never, the whole time I had my lathe, I never checked what the tolerances were. I'm like, that looks met. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing the tape measure up to it and you're like, fucking 16th? Yep, fucking crushed it. <laughs> with an eighth inch, it's fine. Like, I'm still me, even with a lathe. It's definitely That's weird it. going from from you know iron working to making something on a lathe, and I'm like, you know, my my day to day life is like it's within an inch. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> exactly, dude. Yeah, that's why it was funny when you when you saying like, well, I built the Springer because you know I, I got welding experience. <laughs> it's like <laughs> fucking, but it just goes to show that. It can be done, you know, with the fucking, with the leather belt lathe and the fucking prime weld. You made a badass fucking Springer and it's going down the road. You could, you could do it with less. I mean, it just depends how bad you want it. You know, it's, that's, that's like, that. that's the thing that's really, you know, I, I think my favorite thing to see as far as, you know, it, you know, there's, crazy like you know high dollar bikes out there or like you know people that do like incredible work and i mean that stuff is cool in its own you know there's there, it's a it's a different thing but like somebody that just likes to build their own shit and you know even if like you know it, you see a you know a bike that somebody threw together and it's not perfect or whatever like who cares they they're, they're having a great time they learn something. They're doing something they love to do. And I think it's way cooler if, you know, somebody throws like a chopper together and they're like, yeah, this is, you know, it's got a fucking front wheel from a Honda on it. And it's got, you know, this or that, or, you know, I found this in a junkyard and this is a piece of fucking plumbing supply or whatever. Like it might not be the way that I would do it at this point now, but like, I've definitely done shit like that in the past. And that's like, that's the coolest thing. Like people that take shit that's, you know, from wherever they can get their hands on it and they make it work and it's cool. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, sure. I'm like, I'm, I'm super into seeing shit like that, you know? For sure. And this bike definitely screams that, you know, you're making, you definitely made it yours. Not just with the front end, but like with having, I love that. I didn't even know this at the time when I was over there and we were talking about it, that obviously the, the Springer's handmade, the fucking rocker boxes and the top end has been gone through and swapped from something else that you 
had laying around. So that's like a, a perfect example of that. And then the fucking seat. Didn't you make the pan for this seat too? Yeah. Well, I don't know where that necessarily came from. I, I like, I was kind of going for like a king and queen seat. And at the same time, I kind of like, I like the open sissy bar in the back. I didn't want to put, like, I didn't want to put the backrest of the seat running all the way up it. So I kind of just looked at a bunch of king and queen seats I like and just, you know, just made a pan out of that and just kind of cut the backrest off it. You left that out and, you know, it's, it's, it, it works. I mean, it's definitely different, but. Dude, it looks comfortable as fuck. Looks like that would cradle your your whole lower back. Well, what's great about it? It's actually better now that I have the, the Springer on it because it it sits a little higher in the front, so it throws you a little further back in the seat. Oh, and, true. Uh, what I do, I I don't really most of the shit that I carry, I carry in a backpack. So I'll throw everything in my backpack, you know. And if I got it's an iron head, so I got you know half a shop's worth of tools in there all the time. And, you know, a six pack and a Red Bull and, you know, whatever else I'm carrying around. And the way my, you know, with my particular height in the seat, it sits my backpack right on the passenger pad. It just sits down there just enough just to take the weight off it, but not enough so that it's loose and it's perfect. Oh, yeah. So it doesn't feel like something's pulling on your shoulders the whole time you're riding. Yeah, it's great. That is, I'm surprised you don't strap that backpack to the sissy bar though. It looks like you got the perfect sissy bar angle to like hold a, a backpack on. I could do that and I would, but like, again, I'm, I'm, I'm an impatient motherfucker. So I just want to throw the shit in my backpack and go. <laughs> so <laughs> there's no time for, for strapping the shit down. Zero time, zero time places to be. <laughs> That's fucking hysterical, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I try to, I mean, it, I like doing as much as I can on my own. You know, it's great to know people who do, you know, it like, you know, it, it, it takes a fucking village to build a chopper, you know, like, you know, a guy that does paint, you know, a guy that does upholstery and, you know, a guy that does this or that. But I feel like it's valuable to at least know your way around a little bit of everything, you know? Like, I know, like, like paint, like, I painted this bike, and if I could never paint another fucking thing again, I would, <laughs> I hate painting. But, I know how to do it. So, at least, you know, if I was in a jam, and I had to paint something real quick, and I, you know, my buddy's like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm you know, three months out, or whatever, and they can't paint something for you at least you could throw a coat of paint on something and be good to go. And you kind of have a little bit of a background and you've done it, you know, then that way you can say you've done. Absolutely. Yeah. And and it's just one more tool in the toolbox, you know? Exactly. Or if you're handing it over to somebody, you're you're able to like prep it for them in a, in a better way because you understand what's about to happen in that next step. Oh, yeah. If you're doing especially something like paint, if you're doing your own prep, 
Like, I mean, that's something, that's one of those things where prep is, you know, 99% of the job. So if you know your way around that, and it'll save you some scratch too, you know, if you get somebody, they'll paint it for you, but you do all the prep, you're doing most of the work. You know, I mean, painting's like a black magic. I don't know, you know, I'm not trying to take anything away from painters at all, but, you know, I don't want to take anybody to take it like that. But if you're doing all the prep work and you know what you're doing, you'll be happy. Your wallet will be happy, your painter will be happy, and you should look sick. Will the painter be happy? I feel like no matter who does the prep work, the painter is, is always upset at the level of prep work. Hundred <laughs> percent. Every 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 painter that listens to the show right now is laughing and be calling me an asshole. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> oh yeah, please don't touch it before you bring it. <laughs> <laughs> please don't put anything on there. I have to strip off and do it again. <laughs> Blacktide didn't wasn't there a situation with, with with this when you were bringing it to Maddie? Oh yeah, yeah. So I molded just like the joints in my frame and shit, and like ground down the welds and like spread bondo over those, and like just like cleaned it up. And I thought, dude, I spent like two days on this shit, and I was like fucking crushed it, and brought it over to Fosmobile, and he was like. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad start. <laughs> and essentially just had to fucking do everything. Looks great, dude. I'm going to take it all off and start over. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, the reason why most of the painters don't want you to touch it is because, like, say you didn't do the bodywork correct, right? And you just slapped on fucking two inches of mud and then just sanded it and there's nothing for that mud to grab to. Once he paints that, and that mud falls off, you're gonna call him back, bro. What the fuck? Why is my paint like just falling off the bike? You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. So he can't really warranty it when he doesn't know what you left underneath that. Oh, for sure. I mean, this is I'm talking more like you got a buddy that does paint and you're like, hey man, I'll prep it for you. But yeah, I, I get that. I mean, you don't want, you know, especially with something like paint where <laughs> you know you don't want to put your name on something that's not right. You know, it's not yours and start to finish. Right. You know and I mean, with choppers, like really, like how much prepping is there really? You know what I mean? Like nine times out of 10, when you're building a bike, like you're probably going to buy a new gas tank and a new fender. And like, there's really not much other prep work. <laughs> like, unless you want like the molded frame, like the molded tank and all that bullshit, there could be a lot of prep work, but it's like, are you really going for like a show quality paint job? Or just like make this thing a cool color. You know well, what I mean? 100% the second work. one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, nine times out of 10, your prep work's going down to the hardware store, $5 in your pocket and getting a can of rust only. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think what I would do for prep work when I bring this to Dan is take this baby to bare metal. And that's it. Yeah. Just be like the rest. I, I feel like you would be better equipped to handle yeah, the prep work is me driving it to your house. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, I'll be honest. I feel that way about welding. Like if somebody comes to me and they're like, I tacked it up, I'll be like, untack it. Yeah. <laughs> Grind all that off. Cause I don't want to weld over your welds. <laughs> yeah. Cause then it'll, you'll get it and it'll be all flux core tacks. And you're like, well, every one of these is going to blow out my TIG bead. So yeah. We're just going to go ahead and start over. You can just fill the gap. It's fine. It's only a half inch. That's it. What was it? I heard on a job site one time? If you can step over it, you can weld it. 
Dude, I'll tell you, I have gotten, I well, not gotten, it's been a little bit now, but I got very well at filling gaps with a fucking big brother. Dude, jumping across and just like making a bridge and you're like, all right, cool, that one's good to go now. And then just weld over. (laughs) That's it. And then just fucking sink it in there. Just fucking let it rip. What, what's a better burn base this down? <laughs> it is super satisfying. B- building the bridge with stick is also very satisfying. Because it feels yeah. like you're on the ragged edge of it going straight down the shitter. But like yeah. it hangs on and you make yeah. that fucking final connection on the bridge. And you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, dude, I'm a wizard. Yeah. Dude, so you know what I figured out too? I actually just figured this out when I was doing that wagon. Um, so I cut the handle in half because the, the handle wasn't isn't long enough. You know what I mean? Yep. And in the middle where I cut it, I just put a three quarter inch wrench, and then welded both sides of the fucking handle to the wrench. You know what I mean? So that extended it like a good foot almost. Um, and then I was just a wrench in the middle, so it looks cool. Oh, nice. Um, but going from like that thick metal of the wrench, and like it's a circle. But the wrench is a fucking square, apparently. You know what I mean? Right. So there's like obviously a gap almost all the way around. And uh dude, I learned that like I was like, how the fuck am I gonna do this? Because the metal on the handle is so thin, but the wrench is so thick. Dude, so I would like hold the wire on the wrench and like build up a puddle and then almost just push the puddle to the thin side. Instead of like trying to bridge it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I would just make a puddle and almost like knock the puddle over yeah. to the fucking thin metal. And then I was like, dude, this works so good. Like I'm the, I didn't burn through this once. <laughs> that's exactly right. I think that's the only way that that you could do it. Like 75, 25 split of like the, the time you're spending on. Each yeah. Month. Yeah. Cause like I would literally hold it on that wrench and then like, it was literally like knock it over, boom, touch real quick and go back to the wrench. And it, dude, it works so, and I'm like, I'm sure you can imagine the handle for a Red Rider fucking wagon is not thick metal. It's a, like yeah. sheet metal. You know what I mean? <laughs> Did you grind the coating off the wrench? No. No. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where it's mint. Dude, I barely even ground the paint off the handle for the Red Rider. <laughs> I do all my own prep, guys. You know how I prep it? I let it get hot enough where it burns off. <laughs> That's it. You get that purple arc going and you're just like, yeah. fucking see you, Zinc. Yeah. Dude, put it this way. It was, I would literally start welding and it would immediately catch on fire. So as, <laughs> dude, as my fucking wires coming out of my fucking gun, it was instantly red. It was just in a flame. And I'm like, fuck it. We're already halfway through. Man. <laughs> <laughs> just sending it bud yeah every time i would shut the world up i'd have to fucking lift my hood up and then blow out the fire jesus christ you just gotta grind the edge of the wrench yeah dude i got i i listen i have three grinders for a reason <laughs> just stacking them up in the corner yeah I use them after i do those shitty welds i'm like look you can't even tell this was welded <laughs> just blend it yeah i was never here that's it blending that's you didn't awesome. wipe it with acetone first? Dude, I've never <laughs> used acetone in my life. <laughs> that's that's the favorite. Yeah, we always joke about that too at, at work now before you stick weld something. Like if you tell anybody you TIG weld, then they go, oh, you don't want to acetone that before you fucking weld it, bud? <laughs> dude, Here stick, we go. Welded, I was, dude, I was brutal when I worked at that fucking 
place and uh, stick welding, I would weld right through a fucking oil pile. I didn't give a fuck. Just fucking yeah. send it. Bury the rod. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Fucking send that rod right to the bottom of that metal. <laughs> <laughs> Just turn me up, bud. That's it. It'll eventually cook off. Dude, sixty ten and sixty eleven. I'll fucking I won't prep anything if I have that rod. I'm just like, nope, this will burn it. That's the one exception for me with all like the prep stuff is like 6010 will fucking clear the way. You know when I know I have to prep, like when I'm like, all right, I should prep is when I hook my ground up and I touch the wire and it doesn't start welding. I'm like, fuck. Yeah, it pushes your hand back. Your hand gets like pushed yeah. away from the material and you're like, and I'm like, I'm like, God damn, I'm gonna have to fucking grind this. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only time i do prep work i do know i'm telling you right now if i hook the ground up my wire touches and it starts arcing fucking sending it home <laughs> i don't care if it starts popping at that point whatever happens happens oh man we got to get you a shirt that says if the if the welder's arcing the grinder ain't sparking that's it dude. like i'm talking like sometimes i'll be welding and you would be confused on if it was a fucking fully automatic weapon it's like bah, 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 and i'm like fucking hold it <laughs> oh my god matt is this how it goes with the wire feed on the sites oh it's <laughs> everything everything on site i mean it's it's the best i mean the, the wire feeder guys i mean they they'll grind shit and you know and whatever but and everything else there's no rules <laughs> 7018 in a puddle. 7018 will get it down, dude. Send it. That's a, that's the best thing about stick welding. Is like when that shit happens, you just push that rod down even fucking harder and just send it. Oh, it that's when you you stick welding when you need to get shit done. You need to get shit done yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I that's what I always tell people. If you're stick welding something, that shit's made to be permanent. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that thing's gonna sink the fuck in there. We fucking we put up some gates today that we were running some seventy eighteen on, and they all the fucking they buy all the hinges are like zinc coated, and I'm like, well, here we fucking go, and fucking <laughs> here's where I die. <laughs> yep, you just chew right through them. I will say, fucking uphill with with a heat like building up in front of you, it chewed through the zinc just fine. Oh yeah. It would have made you proud, Loctite. It would have felt like there was a wrench right in play. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's fucking awesome, man. So, Matt, are there uh, more steps for this bike, or is this thing on the road and, and ripping now? Um, I mean, for now, the only thing I want to do, really, I did the exhaust, and uh, the only thing I could get at the time was because uh, I got mandrel bends and they were all just plain steel mandrel bend. So it's just a plain steel exhaust, which I I like. You know, it's it it's got some you know it's got some color to it. It's fine, but there's always that little thing in the back of my mind, like you know maybe I'm like turning into like an asshole scientist, but I'm like I could make this out of stainless. <laughs> but you get yeah. stainless involved. Stainless is always fun to get involved. Are you going to wipe that with acetone? Oh, it's top to bottom. I'm going to purge it too. There you go. <laughs> now that's going too far. Nobody actually purges. That's just shit people talk about. <laughs> it. I will say the purge. It makes the well. It makes it weld a lot better if you do back purge it. 
Yeah, at least right. if at least if you're not going to do like filler, like at my last job, we back purged everything. And if you're just doing like a fusion weld with a back purge, dude, the most beautiful bead and zero effort required. Don't even have to use your second hand. Oh, Grease, you'll love this one. I fucking forgot about this. When I was finishing up the frame for that wagon, yep. ran out of gas after I did one side. Oh, boy. Didn't even, fucking, didn't even skip a beat. <laughs> just sent it. <laughs> just kept going and finished the frame. Dude. I'm like, oh, well, I'll fucking grind that side. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What? Did, how did it run? Dude, it's, here's the fucking thing that's weird, dude. So when I ran out of gas, I was like, I'm going to turn this down a little bit. And then turn my wire speed down and all that bullshit. So I was like, hold it, like putting more concentration on that area. And dude, for some reason, the fucking welds came out mint. And I knew you were going to say this. Dude, almost like chrome. They're like wicked shiny for some reason. Is the fucking zinc filling in for the fucking gas? No, this was on regular square stock, dude. Oh, that's like the whole thing. Dude, they're like legit, like they look like they're like polished welds. I mean, they're not perfect welds. Like they have all like the um like the little fucking contamination pockets and shit. Not like big pockets, but like you can see like little pinholes. Yeah. Um, but overall, dude, like it still would lay a like a nice clean bead with like obviously pinholes, but it was it's just weird though, because like when I ran out of gas, it just got super shiny. It was fucking strange. I'm like, maybe I should just not weld with gas ever. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know why it would get shiny, but if it works, it works. We got to get that fucking stick welder up and running over at your place. I don't have 220. Fucking Nick, call Nick and Chip. He'll, he'll fucking walk you through it. He walked me through no, it. No, 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 no. That's one thing. Listen, there's two things in this life that I don't, well, well actually there's a bunch, but there's two <laughs> things that I don't do is heights. I don't do anything with heights and I don't fuck with electricity ever. You got lightning bolts in your Instagram name. (laughs) 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 We got to get you. We got to get you wiring 220 over there. I'll come over and I'll have Nick FaceTime me and I'll install it. It's a fucking move. Nah. So here's the other thing, too, is, like, I'm a wicked, like, paranoid person when it comes to fires. So I don't think I'll be able to let that out. I know. I've seen you doing the – Matt, you don't know this about Lockjaw yet, but he he does the uh, the OSHA fire watch 30 minutes legit at his house every time. Every time. And, dude, I put a fucking camera in my garage. So even after 30 minutes – once I'm in the house, like 20 minutes later, I'll check the camera just to make sure. Digital fire watch. Dude, it's fucking I crazy. I don't understand. I, and the fucking craziest thing is I've never had like any trauma with fire. I think it's from working in that factory, honestly, doing all the welding and shit. Like I was like mandatory, like, hey, do not leave because this place will blow up. <laughs> you know what I mean? So maybe that like traumatized me. Well, it's different too. Like when you have shit to lose. <laughs> like you got like a garage, you got your bikes in there. If you got yeah, that's what I'm saying. In there. Yeah, like I got my bikes in there, my dad's bikes in there, my uncle's bikes in there, my rat rods in there. All of my tools are in there. You know what I mean? So it's like, if shit goes up, I'm fucked. <laughs> oh yeah, 
dude, it, it, there's something like flips a switch in here because I do the same thing. Like I can see, I can see my garage doors like from the kitchen window of my house. So I'll be out here like if I'm out here for like a long day and I'm grinding shit and you know welding shit, I'll leave. And then like every time I go by the window, I kind of side eye it a little bit, and I'm like, yep. like does it smell like smoke in here. <laughs> I'm looking for like the little the little flickers of fire and everything. Like it, it's the weirdest thing because it just I, I've never had like a crazy. I mean, I like I've set shit on fire at work a million times, but like you know, I've never had any reason to to be paranoid about it. But I still am. Even yeah. like even riding old shit, like old carbureted shit or whatever. You know, you could have something dialed in. You know, it doesn't leak a drop of anything. You know runs great and everything else if i like if i take like this old iron head or like whatever like you know i go to the store and i'm in there for like you know a few minutes waiting in line and there's like a long line i'm like there's this weird thing in the back of my head i'm like man i hope my shit's not on fire right and oh, i think yeah. I, I on fire on fire well like i wouldn't be worried about it getting stolen but i would i never i never have thoughts of it being on fire <laughs> what, yeah, but have you ever been like, like it, dude I've been, I've been like adjusting carbs on like old like hot rods and shit that I've had and like have legit had my car catch on fire <laughs> yeah I guess so I, I, I get what you're saying <laughs> you've had a carbureted V8 you, you, you know your, your timing's a little off yeah you go fire that bitch up and there's like a, a, a fucking inferno coming out of your holly <laughs> yeah, it looks like it looks like fucking Putin launched a nuke in your carburetor. <laughs> oh, you're trying to hammer the throttle to suck the fire back in. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking nerve wracking. Yeah, but I I think the other thing that too is like when I'm in the garage, dude. Like I'm always just doing like reckless shit. You know what I mean? Like I don't have like how you were saying. Like I don't have like a spark area. I'm just like, uh, well, I don't feel like running an extension cord. I'll just do it here. You know what I mean? I'm just like shooting sparks onto that shelf where I was talking about with all my parts on it. Like, who knows this gas in that gas tank? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I have a spark area, but like, that's so I don't fuck up my paint. I don't have a fire extinguisher in here. <laughs> like, I know where there's one at that I could go running for if I really needed it. Oh, dude, but I got three in my garage. Oh, yeah. That's, that's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I kind of need one of those. And yeah. Just <laughs> yeah yeah i got three because like i said i'm just like so careless when i'm out there it's like i'll just weld wherever like i'm not trying to go over to my fab bench and be like let me make the part here i'm like i'm making the part right the fuck here <laughs> i'm laying on the floor <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> i'll tell you what I, I i grabbed this this lift the fucking the, the harbor freight lift and yep, this yeah. thing fucking changed my life <laughs> completely yeah from dude, doing things before like, you know you you're sitting there all day long your fucking back hurts and shit and now you just throw it up on this thing get it up like you know to the first the first hole sit down in your stool and, do, and, and work on shit it's, it's a game changer it is man i gotta get a uh a better wheel chalk for the front of mine because I've been putting the bike up there and I put the bike on the kickstand on the fucking lift. <laughs> Just work on it like that. And Dude, probably, stop doing that. Probably not the best way to do it. 
yeah, it stresses me out when you do that shit. Uh, I mean, I, I have, I have the, I have the wheel chalking game with still, but I throw straps on it too. Like I'll strap it right down to the table. The wheel chalk really not doing anything anyway. Yeah, the wheel chalk that comes with it, I don't have a ton of faith in. Well, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty much garbage. I mean, it's not really, it's not really doing anything. But you're saying with which, with straps in that wheel chalk, it feels pretty secure? Yeah, I just I throw a strap just like I was strapping it down in the back of a truck or whatever. I mean, if, if you can strap it down in the back of a truck with no wheel chalk, no reason you can't strap it down on your lift with a shitty wheel chalk. Not that you shouldn't get a better one, but I mean, I'm, I haven't, so yeah, I, can't really- I like that one that I have. Is like you know, like the ones where you roll a bike up and like that piece rolls with it and it locks the tire in. Yeah. So I love those because most of the time I'm by myself in the garage. And you can just let go of the bike and like strap it down by yourself and not worry about the thing falling the fuck over. Oh yeah, that's true too. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, that, it definitely makes it a hell of a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. And I do, I always find those things on Facebook marketplace. I got one on my bike lift, one in my trailer and one for my truck. And I don't think I've ever paid more than like $40 on Facebook marketplace for them. No shit. Yeah. They're on there all the fucking time. And I'm pretty sure Harbor Freight sells them for like 60 bucks brand new. Yeah, but you're a tow truck driver too. So that's one of those cases. That shit's going to find you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. That's yeah, definitely fucking having the, having the right way to work makes all the difference in how efficiently and whether you even work that night at all. Oh, 100%. But if you gotta, if you know you have to go out and like deal with getting yeah. the bike set up and like stable so you can do some shit, it becomes a pain in the ass. But if you know, like, all right, that thing's already strapped down in a wheel truck and ready for me to start fucking shit up, you're probably more out to go out there and just start doing shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Also, if it's not clean, I don't want to be out there doing shit now, like when it's fucking swept up and everything's where it's supposed to be. I go down there and I'm like fucking stoked to get to work. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely, it, it makes a huge difference. I mean, for a long time, I think it was probably like at least three or four years I was working out of storage. Room. So I had, you know, just a your single bay storage unit and there was no power. And I had all my tools and probably anywhere from five to 10 bikes in there at any time. And it was like, it was a pain, like it, just to get to something, you, you want to do something on this bike or that bike, or, you know, I was doing a lot of side work where I'd have people, you know, I'd have customer bikes in there I'm doing work on. And I'd have to take everything out to get to it. So, you know, you show up, you have to roll, you know, six bikes out to get them out of your way and dig out the one you need. And then you're working like, you know, you got a foot on one side and a foot on the other and you're like contorting and shit to try and get in places and get your tools in there. And it definitely, you know, I, I feel like doing that for a time or, you know, everybody that's, you know, doing shit in parking lots or the driveway or, or whatever. I mean, once they get a space, I feel like that's, you know, it helps you not take it for granted and kind of 
once you have it, you're like, all right, this is where this is going to be. And this is where that's going to be. It kind of like, it's like an essential experience, you know, to like to prep you for knowing what you need and where you need it. Absolutely. Cause that's a, that's a big part of it. It takes a long time to figure it out. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, your shit's never going to stop moving around. You know, it's, it's one of those things. Your, your place will look different, you know, every six months or whatever. You, know, you move your toolbox from here to there or, you know, your welders from here to there. Or you get something new and you're like, shit, I have nowhere to put this. So you start shuffling things around. But, you know, it, it all kind of falls into place. Definitely. Yeah, I'm evolving now to the, the next thing being like a, I need a stainless table down there that I can use for, like, things I do with solvents. Because I got this wooden bench, and if I'm going to, like, clean a carburetor and spray a bunch of carb cleaner, I don't want to do it on the wooden bench because it fucking soaks it all into the wood. So I'm figuring, like... You ever look for, like, a restaurant prep table? That's exactly what I'm looking for. If I find the right one at the right price, that's that's pretty much what I'm trying to buy. Those are on those are on Facebook Market or all day long. Those are on there. Yeah, Grease Boycott Facebook. Hell of a lot cheaper you can make one for. Yeah, I'm looking for the right uh, scrap material floating around somewhere, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't have Facebook right now, so I, I stick it I stick to Craigslist mainly. Oh uh, yeah, well Craigslist was the best. I mean, Facebook Market's not as I don't like it as much, but it kind of it's kind of phasing Craigslist out. I think there's there's a lot less on there now because it's so much easier to throw something on Facebook Market, but if you're selling shit on Facebook market, it's a nightmare because then every two seconds your phone will go off. And is this still available? Is this still available? And you're answering people at like two o'clock in the morning that never get back to you. And the amount of compared to like, cause I had a lot of mileage on Craigslist for years and between Craigslist and Facebook market, I would say probably no joke at least 75% of the people that I set up a time on Facebook market to come and buy something or look at something. And then I take time out and make sure I'm here and do that whole song and dance at least 75% of the time. No shows. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. It's like fucking nobody ever shows up for those things. It's brutal. And I feel bad because then especially like, People who are like, hey, can you meet me somewhere? Like, you know, I'm driving from here or wherever. And it's like, I got to say no. I can't be like, you know, yeah, dude, for sure. Because I know I'm going to get there and either they're not going to show up or, you know, or whatever. It's like, it sucks. Because then, especially if you have something, you know, you're getting rid of like a good deal. You want to hook somebody up with something or, you know, you don't need it anymore. And you can't like, you can't really have faith, you know. Right. It's that's I, I feel like part of it's like the convenience. It became so convenient to buy and sell and list on Facebook that like people just blow it off just as easily as they list it. Yeah, it's too easy. For sure. It's too easy. Forget you even asked about something. Yeah. Before you had to click on like to try to get the person's email address, and you had to fucking type out an email and then like wait for them to get it. And you're like, oh, I don't know if it's going to go through or not. And so there's a lot, a lot of investment emotionally in like in the transaction. Oh yeah. Ton of work. You got to like call people on the phone. <laughs> like, oh yeah. You got to talk to a person in live 
person. Yeah. And then there's still those people on there that are like calls only, no texts. And I'm like, you're not going to sell this that way, but <laughs> you, you probably will get a lot less bothered. Yeah. Well, it's definitely effective because anybody that's going to bother to call you is probably pretty serious. Yeah. Unlike all those guys who tell me that they're just, they're going to Venmo it to me and I just need to refund them. And then they're going to come with the cash and you're just like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tune out of this, this whole conversation right now. But yeah, man, it gets, it gets a, a little fucking wild out there, but as far as the bike, dude, I'm stoked to see this thing running and riding and we're definitely going to have to take some cruises this summer. Oh, for sure. I, I actually, I just, I just took it out today. I probably went like 20 miles or so. And, um, you know, it's, I'm still breaking it in, but, you know, it ran beautiful, rode beautiful. I think it's definitely ready to go for the year. So, I, uh, you, man. yeah, I'm pumped to put some miles on. Absolutely. Well, dude, I think we're at a good place to, uh, to start wrapping up here. Do you have any uh, final words for the people as we close this one down? Um, if, there's, if there's anything I could say, you know, for, for what it's worth, you know, anybody that's, you know, hasn't built a bike yet or, you know, is, is kind of wishy-washy about it or, you know, you, you're thinking, you know, you can't do something, just fucking try it. You know, even if you're taking trash. And, you know, sticking it together with, you know, bubblegum flux core welds and, and, you know, you're putting together like, you know, shitty death traps or whatever. You got to start somewhere, you know, and, and just try, you know, give it a shot. I mean, that's that's a great thing about this community, too, is that, you know, pretty much anybody you reach out to is willing to help. So, you know, there's no there's no harm. There's no harm in fucking doing you know, whatever you think is cool and, you know, fuck what anybody else says. Love it. All right, man. So to close this one down, I will say from handmade springers to ironhead deals, Matt's got this 68 back on two wheels. (laughs) Awesome. Hey, it was, it was, it was good talking to you guys. I'm, you know, pumped to hear from you and, you know, hopefully for, you know, for, for whatever, somebody could take something out of this. So they definitely will, man. So Loctite, what do you got for these people? Take them into their motherfucking Friday. God, I thought we were doing the closing later. <laughs> so didn't come up with anything. So I'm just going to kick it traditional. It's Friday, motherfuckers. The name of the game is cut the motherfucking frame. Just don't
Why?